Hey, Dean Lakerson, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Our guest today got bit by the self-improvement buck when he was just 16 years old, and he actually did his first deal when he was a sophomore in college. Young guy, and man, he is just a bundle of energy. I think you're going to be really inspired by him on how he did this when he was so young. How do people take him seriously? How was he able to find a partner that took him seriously? How does he now have a 1,000 units and he's only 27 years old? Really awesome deal we're going to talk about with Adrian Salazar here in just a bit. I do want to give a shout out to James F., who left us a review on Amazon for the Yellow Book. I found Michael's book to be highly actionable without a lot of fluff or repetition. The companion course is also great. Following Michael's advice, I feel confident I'll do my first syndication within the next 12 months. Thanks you, James, for that. I appreciate that. I want to do a shout out also for our first deal maker, Christian Yost. And he closed the 71 units in Alabama, and it was a deal value at $2.8 million. We love shouting out first dealmakers on the show because they are awarded the first dealmaker coin at Dealmaker Live every single summer. And if you quit your job, then you'll also get a freedom coin as well. So if you've done our first deal and we've influenced you in a significant way, just email us at support at themichaelblank.com and just let us know about the deal. We'd love you award the first dealmaker coin. Also, if you are interested in getting started in syndication yourself, man, we'd love to have a conversation with you. We have literally the best program on the planet to help you do your first syndication. And the best way to schedule a call with us right now is through our mentoring page at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And just schedule a conversation with us. We have, I would like to say something for everyone Regardless of where you are in your investing career, what your resources are, what your experience level is, just go ahead and schedule that call on the mentoring page as well. So with that, let's bring in our co-host, Garrett Lynch. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? So, you know, in this market, I think everybody's kind of kind of saying, hey, is this market too tough to do a deal? And we get this, you know, basically all the time. Now, before COVID, it's the market's too hot. Should I wait? Oh, now, now there's now there's COVID. Oh, now the market's all messed up. Maybe I should wait till it comes back. Oh, no, four months has gone by. The market's hot again. Maybe I should wait, right? And so people are always asking, you know, is it now the right time to to get into it. And, and of course, most recently with the Fed raising rates so much, finding the right loan product has been a challenge. And so across the board, it's been a bit hard to find a deal, like just like it was two or three months after COVID. What are you seeing right now? All right. So what, what we're seeing right now is there's a gap between where people are willing to let go of deals for on the sell side. And we're honestly experiencing it ourselves. We were trying to sell a deal for the last six months and we watched it decrease in value by almost 30% in like six months. And that hurts. So you're seeing a lot of people that are, they want to sell, but they're not getting their pricing and no one's biting. No one's moving because people don't want to be too aggressive with interest rates still moving in an upward direction. So there's a gap between the pricing expectations on the sell side and the buy side. That's making transaction volume slow down a lot. So what can you do if you want to buy a deal right now? And I believe it is still a good time to buy a deal, by the way. It's just more challenging. So for, for you, what you're looking at now is you have to be super active 
with your mortgage brokers and lenders to understand what the debt even looks like for you and to get a general sense of what that, what that might be. And then you got to go shopping and you got to turn over a lot of rocks, a lot more than normal. There's a, there's a lot of volume that has to happen because of that gap. When you run into it, you almost have to recognize that that gap exists and still shoot an offer, but shoot it at the price you're actually comfortable with doing. And if you can make some forward progress on there, what I think is going to happen is these people are eventually going to give in and you want to be in the front lines when they do give it. Not only that, you want to be in the forefront of all the brokers. So everything right now is no brokers are getting deals done. They're actually trying to do debt deals now because they can't get enough transactions off their plate. The sellers still have options to refinance their deals if they don't want to sell it. So they'll they'll just say, you know what? We're not interested anymore. Can't get our price. We'll just refinance. There's still deals to be had, guys. So you don't give up. Get out there. Get You have to get in the trenches right now. You have to underwrite a lot of deals and you have to be submitting offers at prices that you realistically think you could trade at so that when these guys don't get their price, there's still a fallback for them. Yeah. So the lesson here is understand the lending terms right now. Okay. And those are changing by the week. So get really chummy with not only your mortgage brokers, but go find additional lenders. And that's what we've been doing as well. Talk to regional banks, local banks, credit unions, and work those terms into your underwriting. That's going to reduce the price. Okay, and then you, those are the offers you make. And, and like you said, there's that gap between what sellers are expecting back from the March high, and it's slowly starting to come down because they see the market has moved oftentimes 50 to 20% lower. And we saw the same thing happening in COVID when loan terms were we'd never seen before. We underwrote those, and there was a gap for about three or four months, and all of a sudden, sellers who wanted or, or needed to sell finally understood what was going on and dropped the price. And like Garrett said, you want to be there when that happens. So- we're very busy expanding our network of, of lenders and staying in contact with our brokers because they want to get a deal done, right? So we're very motivated to get a deal done, but it's got to work. It's got to underwrite. And it's got a pencil in the, in the current lending environment we have. So if you're interested in investing passively with us, man, we'd love to have a great conversation with you because it's a really good time. Prices are off the March highs considerably but the fundamentals are stronger than ever. The only reason, in my opinion, that prices are down is because of the lending market, which is going to be it's going to be a short a short window when that's going to be the case. And when it does soften, which we're already seeing, we want to be in the front line. So if you are interested in, in investing passively with us, check us out at Nighthawk Equity, NighthawkEquity.com. That's our investing company, and just schedule a call with us, and we'll we'll be happy to share some upcoming opportunities with you there as well. So I'm really excited to get into our show with Adrian Zalazar because he is so, so young. He got started so young and he achieved such impressive results. And he's a power user of our STA, the syndicated deal analyzer. And he's such a young deal maker. He's already got a thousand units under management. He has learned the art of partnering. He's uh, he's been with his, with his partner Mauricio for for. Uh, six, seven years right now. Mauricio actually was on a show in, it was episode 179. And and it was just amazing because Adrian actually started doing some single family wholesales and he applied some of those techniques to multifamily. In fact, he still uses that. And he reveals to us what that is to uncover off-market deals within in any environment that's super important, especially in this environment as well. So let's get right in the show with Adrian. Here we go. Adrian, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Excited to be here. All right. So explain this to me. You did your first deal in college, which I don't know what I was doing in college, but it wasn't real estate. You know what I mean? How did that even come about? 
So I started off in single family and I did, I did my first deal when I was 17. I was a sophomore in college. I wholesaled my first house. And so I ended up doing wholesaling and single family for about three and a half years, three and a half, four years. And then I got introduced to multifamily and I still bought my first deal while I was in college as well. It was a small 16 unit, but I did, yeah, I did. I got started in college as a freshman in, in real estate. Yeah. How many deals did you wholesale then? I did about 60 to 70 houses over a course of three, three and a half years. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, how did you get involved in that, especially at a 17-year-old? Like, what? How did that come about? Yeah. So I actually, I got started in, I guess, you know, business. I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug when I was 16, I think. I was a part of a multi-level network marketing company. And so I got introduced to personal development. I got introduced to Think and Grow Rich, Bob Proctor, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. So I got introduced to all these guys super early. And you know, the mindset started getting developed. And I started realizing that I could do a lot. And so, yeah, I actually, I saw a Robert Kiyosaki ad on Facebook. And it was a free event. I thought he was going to be there. It made it seem like he was going to be there. It was all, all of his coaches. And all they were talking about was wholesaling and real estate. And I was a freshman oh, yeah. in college. And I was like, this is it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy because you don't, you don't need any money for it. But now, now, why did you get involved in this? Because two things. One is your parents don't tend to be the most supportive people of your entrepreneurial escapades, number one. And number two, your friends certainly aren't. Because they got other, other priorities. How were you able to get involved in this business with everything, with your surroundings? What did you do about your surroundings? Were they, were, were friends and family holding you back? What did you do about it? What did yeah. you go through there? Yeah, no, they definitely, it was, it was a lot of sacrifice. I get, you know, asked a lot, like, you know, you're young, how'd you do it? But I, I think I went through so much from all the noise, the exterior noise. I was, you know, my, my family for sure. My mom supported me and she always will. But my father had that, you know, like, hey, you need to get a job, you need to go to school, you need to get good grades, you need, you know, like, you know, get a construction degree. And so when I got started in, you know, network marketing, I was like, you know, this is it, I'm going to be a millionaire, and I'm going to sell these products across the world. And it was just super, super challenging. But then in college, I actually joined a fraternity as a freshman, and it was even worse. It was even more of a challenge to get through all that. I was that young kid and, you know, the millionaire, oh, the, the millionaire walked in the room, like, Hey guys, quiet down. The millionaire's in the room now. So I had to, I had to overcome all of that. But I think the the reason why and, and the, how I was able to overcome all that is through personal development. I mean, all the, all the personal development I was doing, like, I just knew that, you know, it was good information. I knew that if I focused on, you know, what I wanted and also like the people around me that were telling me all these things, they didn't have anything in their life, really. I mean, they had nothing for me to say like, okay, I'm going to listen to you, you know? So I actually, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take no for an answer and I didn't take that to heart. There was some challenges, but I went through it and I still face some challenges today. I relate to that a little bit with the college thing. So I was definitely not a millionaire in college, but I had, I was selling knives and I was, I was making, you know, 30, 40 K a summer compared yeah. to my friends that were making, you know, two to three K a summer. So I had a yeah. little bit more change to play with, but I'm just curious, you know, at the, especially at that age, you don't really have good influences around you necessarily, or anyone that's in your circle of five, that's going to push you forward. And I'm just curious, did you have that somewhere else? Or So I got involved in the real estate networking clubs. As soon as I went to that Robert Kiyosaki event, 
I asked, you know, around the room, what do I do? Who do I need to meet? Where do I need to go? And I downloaded meetup.com. I went to every single real estate networking club in San Antonio. And I just started shaking hands and I started meeting people in there. And I was like, man, I mean, these people are way ahead of me. These people, you know, are doing huge deals and making really good money. And, you know, all my friends back over there who are telling me that I'm dumb, that I don't know, you know, what I'm doing, they, they had nothing. So I actually started surrounding myself around the club a lot more. I started volunteering in the events. I started, you know, hanging out. I would, you know, those real estate networking clubs, they start at like five and they end like at 10. So I was there like all day. I was, you know, just networking, shaking people's hands. And the thing is that early on, I knew through my personal development that I needed to find a way to provide value for these people to be my friend. And so I got really good at finding deals. I got really good at finding off-market motivated seller leads through you know driving for dollars, cold calling, mailers. I was doing it all, blanketing neighborhoods. So these people like started liking me. So they, they would hang out with me. But I was okay with it. I was okay with it because they were teaching me something that would pay me for the rest of my life. So so I actually, I mean, I started making friends in the real estate clubs and and they were all older than me, but you know, I was okay with that. Were you getting good grades cool. as well at that point? That that was a challenge. Yeah. So I was actually studying construction management. Mm -hmm. So I was actually like passionate about it. I found my passion in architecture and you know, construction early on when I was super young. And so I actually like liked that stuff, but I definitely knew that, I mean, you know, in the construction program, they were talking a lot about being the best construction employee for whatever company, right? They weren't teaching you how to build your own construction company. So it got really boring for me. And so I would just, you know, be friends with the people in class and they would help me, you know, study and they would help me work on those things. Did you, so. do you, looking back at it now, do you think you were born an entrepreneur because it sounds it sounds to me like you're just kind of against the grain from the beginning of the, of the institution right so you know just thinking back yeah. and you're selling chocolate bars door or whatever you think that was there yeah. yeah actually so my father he was an extremely good salesman he didn't go to college he didn't have a family to you know help him you know guide him in the right direction and he had he actually started selling cars and so very early on, I remember going to the dealership and, you know, him sitting me in the corner of the, of the office and him just closing deals. And like subconsciously, I was just, you know, sitting there, he was taking care of me, but I was just like learning and listening. And I remember like watching him get up and not let people leave. I remember, you know, just get him getting aggressive. And also he was the type of dad that would say like, all right, all those chocolates from school, I'm not going to sell them for you. You're going to sell them and, and I'm going to help you, but you're going to go out and sell them and go, go into, you know, the dealership and go ask all these people to buy chocolates. And so I was like nervous at first, but I started getting really good at it. And I started, you know, being really good at it. And so in, in high school, I started selling, you know, phone cases. I started selling like, you know, snapback caps. And so I was just, I, I was just going and it's in the blood for sure for my father. So, yeah. So, this is cool because sometimes it takes a minute to ignite that. So a lot of people listening to this right now are probably like, man, you're way ahead of where I was when I, when I was your age. Right. And, and I'm actually thinking that way too. I'm like, you're, you're just doing all kinds of cool stuff. But I think at a certain point in anyone's life, they can find that thing that ignites them is even in the sales field. I think the, the closest parallel to entrepreneurship is sales. For me, you know, I was I was such a problem child all the way until I was 18, getting in trouble with the law. I was just kind of I was going down a terrible path, to be honest. I wasn't going anywhere good. 
And then when I learned sales, you know, I started to get recognized for my ability to sell. And then I developed that skill further. That's what ignited it for me. I was like the, yeah. the ones like flipped the switch. And all of a sudden after that, I was on fire coupled with the personal development stuff and, and everything. And then after that, it was just kind of like, all right, see you later. You know, and then I was, then I was down that path. And so for anyone that's yeah. listening, you may be 50 right now. And you're like, man, I, I didn't do that, that stuff, but you have, maybe you haven't found that thing that just, that just triggers you that, that snaps that light switch on to, to go forward. It sounds like you might've done that at an early age. Yeah. Yeah. I think the personal development, I was doing a lot of Zig Ziglar and I mean, that, that talks a lot about sales. And I think the company that I was selling those, those products for, I mean, required me to be really good at sales. I mean, I had a, I had an overhead and so I needed to make more money to you know cover that or, overhead. So I started actually inviting a lot of people to home events. I would have like little events in my clubhouse, in my apartment complexes. And I, I had to stand in front of the room and, you know, sell the product. And I, I just, I, practiced it. I was horrible. My first few events, you know, I sat back up and, you know, my mind sat back down kind of thing. And those few events sucked, but I I got better at it and I focused and I studied and I just practiced. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and set up a a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. I think very few people are born salespeople. I mean, I think some, you know who they are, but I think to a large degree, you can you can learn to sell. I mean, I'm not a, a born salesperson. I, I really I, I'm kind of uncomfortable, but I would say I've gotten somewhat proficient at it. And and I think anyone can learn how to sell. And I think it's important that you learn how to sell. You sell stuff all the time. If you're married, you're selling your spouse every single day, right? Your kids, same thing. I mean, selling is such an important skill. And like the experience you had with Cutco, my daughter lasted 14 days, a little shorter than you did. But the the training program that she learned at that was just was priceless. So I think sales is a super important well, skill. To anyone, have. Michael, that you see that's successful right now, they all have the ability to sell. In fact, some of the people that are the most successful, you'll just you if you get around them, you're like, man, that person could sell you anything. And it's just it's almost like a byproduct of the fact of the other things that they have going on. But it's just it's so dialed in that. Yep. You know, because you, because you, like you said, you're selling everything all the time, and so people have learned that. And I agree, it's it's a skill that that becomes learned once people get out of their comfort zone. And no longer and is key. it really one of those things that people look at and they're like, "Oh, it's like a cheesy used car salesman or any of that stuff." I think selling now in today's society is more acceptable. Sure. Yeah, but I, I think you mentioned it and you mentioned it too, Adrian, is, is getting out of comfort zone because your dad asked you to do something like sell chocolates. Like yeah. I asked my kids to sell popcorn for the Boy Scouts. Man, did they want to do that? Heck no, they don't want to do that. That's awful. Going to door to door and have someone tell you no, like that's awful. And then after about the 12th door, 15th door, they're like, ah, I just said no. Yep. And that's a huge skill that most people, especially when they're not in sales roles, are they're just so afraid of it. And so it's really great that your that your dad kind of forced you to do that. Yep. So this, yeah. so you got a, you got the entrepreneurial bug early on, which is really really cool, and you got into real estate, 
and then you were you pivoted to multifamily. Why did you do that? What was wrong with simply doing what you were doing before? And why did you switch? You know, I had a vision for my future of being financially free, traveling the world, you know, building wealth, having residual income, you know, and all through real estate, right? And so, you know, I thought single family, you know, I got really good at it. I got really good at finding deals and structuring and building rapport and selling and closing deals. But it was, you know, we would close the deal, we'd make the money and I'd have to go and find out, find the next deal. And so I had to get back, you know, from the start, I had to go talk to the VAs, get, you know, the sales guys going and then get a lead and then close it and then boom, make money. And then it's like, okay, again, you know, and so it was, it was very transactional and it was, I mean, I had to drive all over town to go to one lead, one appointment. I had to wait in traffic. I mean, one hour there, one hour back. I mean, San Antonio is a big city. And so I just, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, I mean, what, what's next for me? I was young. And so I actually, I started hearing about multifamily through my business partner, Mauricio. So he actually, he, I was his intern in a construction firm, actually from college. So I went to go do an internship for my hours. And he actually was a project manager for a, the construction firm. And so we were working together and I was doing single family and he was like, Hey man, like, I also want to travel. I also want to, you know, you know, live life on my own terms. And so he told me like, show me this real estate thing. So me and him started doing a couple single family deals, but his engineer mindset was just like, this, this is not it. I think he listened to one of your podcasts and he was like, wow, like this, like this is it. And so he attended one of your events and I was, you know, again, in constant communication with him. And I told him like, go do your multifamily thing. And I'm going to stick to my single family business. And not too long after that, he actually came to me with a lead, a 24 unit in San Antonio that he had gotten under contract and that he was going to wholesale it and make a tremendous amount of money. And that's when I just, I was like, wait a minute, you know, what's, what am I doing wrong here? How many houses do I need to flip in order to make that kind of money? And it was a no brainer for me. I had probably a hundred active single family leads that I was working at the time. And I called one of my buddies and I was like, Hey, I'm selling my entire workspace of leads on, on Podio. I had a bunch of leads and you do you want it for 5,000 bucks? And he's like, dude, yeah, I'll take it. So I just completely sold all of my single family information. Like I just went all in. Like when I say all in, all in from that day till now, I don't touch a single family house. And so, you know, I ended up, you know, getting educated, right? I think that's step number one, get educated, learn the language, get, you know, in the right, get the right information from the right people doing deals. And so started listening to your podcast. I started, you know, I took the course of the SDA just to understand the underwriting. I, I started attending a couple of multifamily events and I was like, this is it. And, you know, I just took the leap of faith and I started, I pulled a list of eight to 40 units. I just, I realized, you know, that's going to be the mom and pop, you know, owner that's going to be, you know, easier for me, low earnest money. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I from now I would go bigger much sooner, but but eight to 40 unit list I pulled and I started marketing. I started sending mailers, thousands of mailers. I started making ton of phone calls, texting. I started, I mean, I was doing everything, generating leads. And since I knew how to wholesale really well, I, I, I told myself, hey, I'm going to wholesale my first few small multifamily deals. And just to get the lingo right, just to understand what I'm doing, just to, I mean, partner with a buyer who's extremely experienced. I mean, I learned so much but I ended up wholesaling five small multifamily deals before I bought my first one. And out of those five, there was 
two that were six figure fees. The other ones were five figure fees. It was just, it was like, that's it. I was sold. But I, again, I told myself after that fifth deal, I was like, I mean, again, I'm back in wholesaling. I'm back in transactional based real estate. There's no scalability here for me. And so I said, I mean, I had a 16 unit under contract and we we're going to wholesale it and make a couple hundred thousand. But I was like, you know what? Like, I don't even, I don't even want the money anymore. Like I, I'm not, I'm not driven by that. I want to get in the game. I want to you know, buy it and hold it and manage it and sell it. And and we we bought it. We didn't know what we were doing. We syndicated a small little 16 unit, $180,000 raised, friends and family signed on the loan. I think we had like four signers on the loan and on a small little $500,000 deal. And we hired a third party management company and I got, you know, extremely involved. I got so involved in that deal because, you know, again, I had my my dad sign on a loan. I had my, you know, uncles and aunts investing in the deal. I had people that, you know, believed in me in single family that just truly invested in me because they knew what I did in single family. Like they knew I hadn't done any apartment buildings. And so I had so much on the line for me. And so I was, I got very involved in the management of that little 16 unit. And ended up, long story short, I ended up firing the manager because I was still leasing all the units. I was hiring all the you know contractors. I was doing every, all the branding. I you know had it online everywhere. So we ended up firing the management company, started our own, and you know shortly thereafter, law the first deal. Three months later, we bought a thirty-two unit off market. Started cold calling like crazy. So what you're doing is you're utilizing kind of your wholesaling strategies to find off-market deals. Now, Correct. what I've what I found over time is that it gets more difficult to do that with large deals because there's more brokers involved. They're kind of, they're kind of doing a lot of that work. What I'm curious though is are there any of those those specific strategies that you employ into the larger deals that do still work in yeah. inside of, you know, that finding the off-market, the true off-market deals? Yeah, yeah, no, good question. So we've bought and sold over a thousand units now, and ninety-five percent of them have been off market. I have, you know, between me and my partner, we found it off market through, you know, mailers through cold calling. I've had some very cool stories that I think I shared with you, Mike, at, at that at luncheon, your event. But yeah, no, I mean, we just closed the last two deals. I just closed right now were total of six hundred units. They were all off market, no broker, and I found the owner on Facebook. So, what are some of the main strategies that you use that are just like bangers? That you're just like, hey, this, this is this works. Like, or is it kind of a culmination of all the little strategies? It's a combination of a lot of different things. But what I got really good at is pulling the list, working the list. I mean, it chose a couple markets and got really good. I mean, got really good at skip tracing it. So I, I go all the way down until the entity owner, the president, the vice president. And so I have a list, I have a database, a CRM that has all of that information. And so, you know, between a mixture of postcards, between a mixture of cold calling and between a mixture of showing up to their house and knocking on their door and getting the deal done has been a, a, a reason why we are where we are. And we, you know, I've had to go up against brokers that have been in the business for 20 years and you know probably have you know a huge buyer ready to go compared to me the small little 26 year old but because i had that slight edge of either going to his house making the phone call or doing something different has allowed me to win the deals 
And I still think they, they work today. You just have to be different and you have to take action and have the gut to go out there and be different because, you know, I've had to battle against people paying a million more for deals, 2 million more for deals. And because the owner liked me, respected me, saw someone in me that, you know, maybe he wished he could be, or, you know, something along those lines, they, they like me and respect me and I deliver. I think that's, that's pretty intriguing. So you, it sounds like your edge was more getting that human factor involved. Cause here, here's the thing. People want to do business. Like they still want to make what they want to make on the deal. Like if, if some kid came up to me and was like, Hey, I want to buy your deal for 5 million under whatever else is willing to offer you. I'd be like, I don't care. Like I'm not selling it to you as much as I like you. Sorry, buddy. But when it's close, that could tilt the scale in, in your favor. Right. And it sounds like you're taking advantage of that. And I'm just curious, I mean, a lot of this stuff, it takes a lot of work. So you're, you're kind of acting as the broker and as the buyer. Do you, do you have a team or people that, that you hire to do any of this work for you? What does that look like? So a majority of our team right now is mainly in the operational side. The, so we're vertically integrated and a majority of my team is you know on the management side. I have a couple of acquisitions partners, but Majority has been, you know, me, me and my partner, and you know, maybe one acquisitions guy, and of course, my VAs who do all the skip tracing and the data mining. But like we were talking about earlier on the sales uh, regarding sales, I don't see sales as sales. I see it as a relationship that I'm building with somebody, a genuine relationship. It's not just any relationship because you have to be genuine about building that relationship with the person. If not, they're going to catch it. And so I've had to, in multifamily, I mean, in single family, I was just closing deals in two weeks. I mean, I would find the owner, I would close a deal in two weeks and fund it. With multifamily, I mean, it takes time to get the owner prepared and, you know, negotiate and get it all figured out. And maybe the owner's not ready now, but he'll be ready in six months and 12 months. So I build that relationship with the owner just the same way that brokers do. I mean, you know, I think whenever a broker sends me a deal, I think of it like, man, they beat me to it. You know, like, so I try my best to make friends and build rapport first. I've had some, some challenges where, you know, we're fighting for a deal and, you know, I talk to the owner and he's like, all right, tell me what your price is. And I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about the deal. I don't want to talk about the price. Tell me about, you know, your vacation. What are you doing this summer? I mean, I tried to like not talk about the deal in the beginning and try to frame the conversation in the, in the, from the get to build rapport first and then we talk about the deal later. And I, I feel like that's been working for me. Now, you strike me as a, as a kind of relationship guy. And why did you partner with Mauricio? And, and how, why does that partnership work? Yeah. So he, me and him have been working together for about six years now. And he is the engineer, the analytical, the finance, accounting. You know, he can underwrite a deal in probably 10 minutes. And it's going to take me a whole day to underwrite it. So we actually started working very well together in the construction space. So he was the PM and I was a superintendent, assistant superintendent. And so we started, you know, getting to work very well together. We built a 20, $30 million construction project together. And then we started wholesaling single family houses and then it worked out. And then in multifamily, it got to the point where I was bringing the deals. I was, you know, finding the leads, you know, doing the cold calling, doing the door knocking, doing the aggressive guerrilla marketing. And he would underwrite the deals, tell me what I need to get it under contract for. And then I would just go to the owner and get it under contract for that price. And it just started working out very well like that. 
And of course, now we have a you know huge team and, and we play different roles. But I think at the end of the day, like he's the yang, I'm the yang. And we're both very different, but the same. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What what would you say? What what are your kind of your, your parting advice to someone? And look, you started really young and a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm too this or I'm too that. What's kind of your your guidance to someone who was maybe where you were and when you were 17 years old? What would you tell them? I would say pick up, you know, some of these books that everybody's talking about. Listen to the tapes that everybody talks about. The Think and Grow Rich, the Bob Proctors, the Jim Rohns, the Tony Robbins. I mean, there's seminars that you can attend for a couple hundred bucks. There's some tapes online that are free. YouTube. I mean, there's so much stuff on YouTube that I learned that's just absolutely free. So, I mean, the young people, you know, may not have as much money. You know, they don't have a lot of money to spend on education. But there's a lot of free resources. Attend the right, I mean, put yourself in the right room. I mean, I think that's what helped me a lot is getting involved with the right people, putting myself in the right room. And another thing is like, I didn't think that I, I wasn't acting like a 26 year old. Don't act like a 23 year old. Like, you know, if you're a 23 year old, don't act like it because if not, people will treat you like it. So you gotta, you gotta mature very quickly if you want to be in this business and, and be a millionaire in this business, you have to mature. You just have to get really focused and do the studying, do the education, but most importantly, take massive action because being young in the business, the only reason why I have that slight edge is because I took massive action and I got a lot of leads and I got a lot of appointments and I got a lot of opportunities just by making the calls, doing the knocking, sending the mailers and you know, involving myself in the right room, attending all the events. I have, you know, lanyards still from like 2015, 2016 of events that I've been to. I was just obsessed with it. I see him. You got a whole bookshelf full of them. Dude, <laughs> I love your, I love your energy, Adrian. Well, how can people connect with you? Yeah. So I'm very active on Instagram. I post a lot of the interior walkthroughs and, you know, the deals that I'm working and I'm very active on there. So definitely reach out to me on Instagram, send me a message. I'd love to connect with anybody here on the show. And yeah, I mean, that really, that's it. And then if you need, you know, my email or anything, I can, we can get it through Instagram and, and connect like that. So awesome, dude. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Yeah. I just think paying attention to sales skills is so, is so key. And, and I do notice that people who come from a sales background, either an outright sales or, or they're real estate agents or brokers of some sort, they have they understand that it's a numbers game. They have a certain work ethic where they understand to have to ask a bunch of people, get a bunch of no's so that they can get a few yeses. And people who don't have that, you know, engineers or or or, or whatever, they don't have that background. It's very unaccustomed to them. So I think one important lesson is really pay attention to your sales skills and start reading books around sales skills, attend the sales skill class and really work on those sales, get out of your comfort zone. Because for a lot of people who are introverts, specifically, who've never been in a sales role, try to figure something out, take a seminar class, or just actually start selling stuff, even if it's door to door like you did with the knives. I mean, it, it seems like a, a kind of a dumb thing to do. But the, even if you do it like my daughter for only 14 days, the thing that you learn doing that for a period of time is, is priceless. And it's really going to make a difference in your investing. It's one of those skills that's super transferable. So yeah. my brothers, I have two brothers and I wouldn't call either of them naturally inclined to sell because I was in Cutco, they got into Cutco and they learned skills in the, in that training. And they did it for a couple of years as well. They made it past the norm that propelled them into successful careers. They transferred it into different industries. They each work in different industries right now. 
One is in sells like commercial paint jobs. The other one sells literally distribution for large companies that, that do like protein bars, right? And they're killing it in both of those fields. So you can literally take your sales skills anywhere with you and you're going to use them all the time for everything that you don't even realize. And so that, that's the really cool part about it. The earlier you can get exposed to that, even if you not haven't been exposed to that and you're, and you're a little bit older, it's never too late to learn that and pick up on it and, and just start to, to really work on that. But one of the, the other parts that goes along with sales and, and the reason I think Adrian has had so much success in, in his off-market deal finding and just in general is that he couples that with the relationship side. So if you can take your just like, you know, the caveman sales skills knowledge and couple that with the ability to understand how to develop relationships, now you have a really powerful skill set that can go with you all over the place. It's because then you're not, you really genuinely want to build relationships, but you have the ability to turn that into something even more powerful that enhances both sides of the relationship. That's what I really saw in him. Yeah. And the other thing he said is, is, is invest in the relationship, put yourself in the right room and invest in yourself, like really do personal development. And here's the thing. A lot of people do that already listening to this. You're already reading all the books, but what are you doing with it? Like, what are you actually doing with all the books that you, that you read? And most people don't do anything with them. And I think that was the last point he, he makes is he's really got to take massive action. And I don't actually love the term massive action because it sounds a little overwhelming. I like to call it kind of take tiny action. And it's really doing a little bit every single day. It's that consistent action. And I think that's the that's the key. So when you're reading a book, what I do is I will actually write down five things that I want to do from those books. I'll put them on my to-do list and I will incorporate them into what I'm going to do the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, I just lose it. I read this book. Oh, great book. And maybe I remember what I read or maybe I don't, but it's not going to affect my life. I don't actually apply any of it versus putting that into your calendar or your to-do list or your long-term goals and then really figure out what can you do to take tiny action, consistent action every single day. And, and one of the things I have to do is I have to schedule in my calendar. I mean, I, I just schedule stupid stuff like lunch or even exercise because I know if I don't do that, I'll get busy and I won't do those things. And now I have not, I'm not a consistent in those things and I can't achieve my goals. So I think that's the key here is to take consistent action. So I really love what Adrian teaches here about personal development, putting yourself in the right room and then just taking action. And there's a certain point of grinding to it. So, so let's stop, stop listening to this and take some action. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.